This is the Comstock Report podcast. We are strong advocates for the American family farm and your top source for the agriculture markets. Now, good afternoon, everyone. This is Eric Ralph with Comstock Investments joining you from Royal Iowa. We've got Joe Camp with me over in Bloomington, Illinois. How's it going this afternoon, Joe? Doing well. What a week we're wrapping up here. Well, yeah, it's uh, not a great wrap-up to the week, but it has been uh, exciting, to say the least. Um, a lot of focus on the weather, a lot of focus on acreage increases, what is the condition going to be next week, just a lot of stuff creating volatility that we're maybe not used to. Uh almost seems like we're getting double the movements we normally would. Yeah, such a promising start, led by wheat. We had the limit up day Monday, 60 cents higher for nearby Chicago futures. That news with Russia and Ukraine really creating some extra volatility in the mix here lately. We had two sessions later, of course, 40 cents lower. And then, as you mentioned, an ultimately down sort of finish to the week. If anything, we could hopefully recount the open interest after after today and then yesterday with relatively lighter volumes trading and wonder if it's just pre-weekend type of liquidation because on the previous run-up we had been seeing extra trading interest like you want to see and rising open interest so you know we won't necessarily cross out chances for a, a further resumption of this rally just yet right well, sure. And there's merit for the numbers that we went to in both corn and soybeans specifically. You know, wheat's kind of on an island by itself, so subject to those headlines that you referred to out of the Black Sea. But, you know, corn, we moved from essentially 480 to 572, make a 50 percent retracement today. Nothing wrong with that. Pullbacks are healthy. I could see that being a mark to watch. If we do make a 62 percent retracement, that'd be 515 December. So worth watching there. Uh Bean chart still looks good. We really haven't even gone to what I would call a corrective phase. Yes, we've had dips along the way, but we could stay above 1366 November and still not do any kind of damage. Yeah, that's what I noticed as well on the bean chart, that it looks like just a blip uh, lower from this really aggressive uptrend we've been in for the past several weeks. Disappointing that you've got new crop November futures back below $14. That psychological mark there lost, but ultimately ahead of the 20-day moving average and really holding that general uptrend that we've been in. So different stories as you get to with the wheat, the beans, we watch crude oil, and I want to touch on how strong these domestic processing margins have been, supporting not just soybeans, uh, but also corn. On the ethanol side of things, corn kind of caught in the middle and bouncing around depending on what wheat's doing, but also trying to trade on its own volition to respect like soybeans, these deteriorating crop conditions. Uh, I'm in central Illinois right now. I thought that was part of the Friday trade was that we did have some rain uh, move across the state early this morning. It was raining in Chicago when those traders got into the office this this morning. There were some better showers that developed as uh, those rains moved into Indiana. And that was just, just, if anything, a change of pace to what we'd been talking about, which was just how hot and how dry it was. And we're going to get back to that, it looks like, no doubt about it. But it was just some minor relief for those that caught the couple of tents here this morning. And it was somewhat welcomely unexpected. Right. And I think it's that unforecasted stuff that's going to make the biggest difference here over the next 30 days in both the corn and the beans. Um, hot, dry, that's been a major theme. Extreme heat across a lot of the country. 
uh, talked to a client in Nebraska just this afternoon. I think she just called in to tell me that, uh, they were burning up. Uh, they're starting to, they're starting to fire. Uh, particularly the dry land is looking pretty tough. She said there's, uh, pivots that have five, six foot tall corn under them with one to one and a half foot tall corn on the corners. So there's some serious situations out there in some areas that do grow some serious bushels. So it'll, it'll be worth noting to, to kind of see how that progresses here if they don't get something meaningful soon. Um, you talked about soybeans. Uh, well, you talked about crush. The margins are just outstanding in, in both ethanol and on the soybean side. So domestic crushers, uh, generally speaking, making about 250 a bushel on the crush side. And then we see these massive flash sales of soybean exports this week, starting Monday and coming all the way through Friday. Yeah, the soybean sales have really just been lost in the shuffle here, but it really bodes well for what what's ahead in uh, catching up at the start of this new crop export program. We see that we're beyond the sort of peak competitive competitiveness uh, in terms of the Brazilian export program now shifting to corn. We've recently had that dollar relax back, uh, mm-hmm. and that has been helpful. Back a little higher after this week's Fed meeting, but overall still on a general downtrend from those late 2022 highs. So good to see those soybean exports. And then back to the processing end of it. That's what I wrote my piece for the Comstock report about. Just that sharp inversion that it supports when you have the products lead the way like we've seen. Uh, that's something we'll watch going forward. We talk about it often in our weekly meetings about price targets for when this August contract now and into the delivery period starting today, uh, at one point this week, trading more than a dollar fifty over that new crop November contract. So when that goes off the board, we'll have a big expiration gap left on the continuous chart and have some sort of upside target for those deferred futures to, to move up to. Ultimately, there's a lot to be sort of positive about even in this a weaker finish to the week, I think. Yeah, if you're micro-focused on the day's movement, you're not going to be very happy about what you saw today. But overall, I think the the story is still there, especially for the soybeans. Uh, you know, I had a client make a comment today, uh, uh, which one has more upside potential? And I said, well, from a sheer value standpoint, the answer is going to be soybeans, right? Uh, as far as potential movement, if the storyline supports it. Uh, I still think that's the case. And, you know, we may run into a situation here where we start hearing about Brazilian acreage and their planting intentions and all of those things, but that's down the road. And for now, I think we're in the driver's seat since they are past the peak of their export program. And now 53 million bushels on daily flash sales this week alone. That, that's pretty important stuff. I was disappointed after that big uh, announcement this morning that we didn't see any more market action than what we saw. But the August was really anchoring us. As you said, we're headed to delivery and, and that August contract trade at times 50 cents lower on the day. That's going to be hard for those deferreds to overcome. And, and we need to get into that delivery period, get these specs out of the way and kind of see how the market reacts at that point. Yep, two different markets, the market for the physical product and the futures market. We saw a bit of a trading game here at the end of the week. You can see that extend itself likely into Monday session being the last trading day of July. And then it's August, and we'll talk more about the implications for the actual physical production side of it, of course, when you talk about August and what it means for soybeans. Mm-hmm. Even up to this point, you have to start to account for the damage done and, and lower yield expectations, in my mind. Uh, we're already there where we need to be seeing 
lower estimates, and that's in anticipation uh, ahead of this August 11th crop report would be a record 52 bushels per acre as the weather-adjusted trend currently has it. But moving lower when we already had the lower acreage surprise uh, makes me think that now we can talk about not only this newly reformed bullishness over demand, but that can join the ongoing concerns that we've got on the supply side. And hopefully the same could be true eventually for corn, where you have, like soybeans, really good domestic processing demand, ethanol reaching a a almost two-year high on the output, almost a record high uh, next to what we had at the peak in 2017 for output. Stocks didn't rise by as much as ethanol output did this last week, so that says something positive about gasoline demand. But unlike soybeans, right, we're not talking about strong corn exports right now. Right. Yeah. And that's definitely something that's weighing on this market and probably keeping us in check more than anything. We still have massive numbers of cattle on feed. Uh, the, the feed and residual usage looks to be stable. So I don't think there's much else to point to other than everyone is worried about, are we going to make any corn sales? And here we are. It's, it's Brazil's corn season and, and it's their turn and that's typical. So we'll see how that plays out. So we we already kind of touched on it, but Fed announcement Wednesday, 25 basis point increase, no big surprise there. Continue with just a slightly hawkish tone in, in regards to we're going to do what we have to for as long as we have to. But, man, these markets seem resilient. They do. Like, there wants to be some extra investment capital moving into the space. We have observed that for sure with oil, the way it's rallied. Uh, but to catch up with the rest of the grains and other ag commodities still could be in the cards for us as we get into what looks like the beginning of the end uh, for this monetary tightening cycle that we've been in for so long. Sure. So that would go back to the dollar and uh, maybe watching that resume its slide lower in a way that would help exports for one, but also just that general speculative sentiment uh, to return back into commodities as a whole. So that would be important we get get past that this week and the up and down for all of these outside markets and hopefully next week just get back to trading weather and and maybe putting more focus back on the demand components that we've talked about. Sure. And, you know, you've got uh, stock indices have just been ripping. Uh, Investors sure aren't afraid of of laying in some risk there. And, uh, you know, that tone just generally helps everything. And that's a good thing. So with the dollar, you know, I, I kind of had set a, a topside target to to try to sell 102. I didn't quite get there today. Maybe we could see a little more strength there. But again, I think at that point you resume the downtrend. I'm looking for that as more of a sell point than to think that we're going to continue to rally. So I would agree with you there. Yeah, interesting. Some other news this week, like with Japan trying to move their interest rates higher. You've got European Central Bank also making a rate hike this week. So the U.S. interest rates continue can continue to go a little bit higher here, uh, but if they stall out relative to the rest of the world, we know what that does to relative capital inflows and ultimately uh, puts some pressure on the dollar. Another important report this week was the GDP report, which was oh, much absolutely. better than expected. Yeah. That helps the stocks that you're talking about there. It was, I think, up 2.4% annualized for the, uh, over the previous quarter. And uh, there were a lot of folks, and, and me included partially, that wondered if we'd be in recession by now at this point in the year. Yeah, I, I think soft landing achieved, right? 
I think the Fed has done what they needed to do and been aggressive enough to to get us where we needed to be without uh, making it too painful for everyone involved. Yeah, and when you're talking about a good economy, we can tie that back to the crude oil prices, the higher consumption of gasoline, the really good margins on these ethanol and biodiesel programs, and uh, probably we can tie it back to better meat consumption, right? Better demand there. Sure, yeah. I mean, even cold storage was uh, supportive for both pork and beef, and kind of on the livestock side, it's it's been a little... I, I don't know if frustrating is the right word, but I've made the comment a couple of times within the report that I think that large spec funds will get bored with a market that's not moving. And that kind of seems to be the trend that we've been in here for a few weeks, particularly in the cattle. Hogs always a little more volatile just because of the thin trade and an and inconsistent market, I suppose, on the cash side. But uh, the cattle market seems tired to me. Tired, but uh, not moving from near record highs too, which has exactly been, been a positive thing. What are you hearing from your producers? Is it just pretty slow on the marketing? Everybody a little bit wary of these high temperatures this week. Yeah, I think that's part of it. They got a lot bought last week. There was just large numbers moved in in all five areas of the central U.S. feeding region. The uh, uh, numbers that I heard out of Texas were probably eight times what they were the week before. And here we are back to a low week. So I think they moved a lot of numbers last week, contracted ahead a little bit to where they can maybe take a breather here. Knowing that this weather was coming, that'll make a difference. Be interesting, as always, to see where the cash trade starts up again next week because it does hold that premium to live cattle futures at the moment. But maybe it's like you're getting to where we have a little bit of a tired futures run in a market that looks ahead and wonders if, we won't see a little bit of a breather uh, taken eventually for the cash side of things, too. Sure. I, I think it was kind of a mixed bag on what a little bit of northern trade has been reported. Some 291 dress, which runs about three and a half dollars back of last week. And but then by the same token, I get a text today, uh, a 189 to regional. Um, that, that's an impressive number and surpasses the high end of last week. So we'll kind of have to see what wins out there. Southern Plains trades at a stalemate as of this moment. Uh, by five o'clock this evening, that could change. But uh, as of right now, uh, feeders are out there asking 180 to 182 in Kansas and Texas, and packers have bids floating around at 176. I heard some 177, so wouldn't surprise me to see a little trade maybe in the upper 70s by the time it's done. It's like we understand why prices are up here. They're justified. The fundamentals are there. We just had the cattle inventory update. Uh, we saw the cold storage declines like you got to earlier uh, but at the same time that doesn't mean these aren't good prices to consider hedging up here sure uh, which is well, these conversations we're definitely having here this week and on into next week well you know it's like the 100 bushel srw wheat harvesters with uh, elevated prices because of war headlines at some point you've got to take advantage of it and just you know hopefully you're wrong and and you're hedged and things continue to move higher. And that could definitely happen. We start seeing heifer retention in this cattle market. You start reducing the number of cattle going on feed. That starts to change the outlook a little bit. That could give it another leg higher. And I don't think we're too far from that occurring, but so far we haven't got there yet anyway. Sounds like the same for whether it's livestock or the grains, it's going to not be unexpected that we'd have continued heightened volatility. And if you get your price, you, you, you get where it makes sense, do something about it. Yeah, yeah, do something and, and try to leave your top side as open as you can. You know, you don't want to cap yourself 100% on everything, but 
you need to take advantage of something while you can. So anything else that you want to add to this? I think we've covered it where I thought that was different this week, that we were conversing more about the demand component of it all. And so if we still have upside on being bullish on usage, on ethanol, on biodiesel, on lately soybean exports, then all of a sudden we're going to get back to, we know, talking about production risks. We've got the report ahead with yield changes. That's where we could potentially be firing out on all cylinders from the bull side of it, which is why I want to generally be patient as we talk about expectations for for grain marketing and uh, see what next week brings. Yeah, this is this is not the moment to see the red on the screen and and uh make a emotional decision for sure. So well, if you don't have anything else, I guess that'll wrap us up for this week and uh we'll talk to you guys next week for the weekly recap on Friday. Enjoy your weekend. For a more complete version of the Comstock Report with hedging strategies and trade recommendations, subscribe on our website at Comstock.com or reach out to one of our risk management specialists about how we can help you protect your profits. Futures trading involves risk. The risk of loss in trading futures and or options is substantial, and each investor and or trader must consider whether this is a suitable investment. Past performance is not indicative of future results.